It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Diardo. Uh, I wish I could give you a better uh, entrance to this show and talk about a win. But unfortunately, our Steelers lost to the Baltimore Ravens uh, on Thursday night, 23-20 to in overtime. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it's, it's probably because uh, you jumped uh, into this article to vote on uh, who is most at fault, who is most to blame for the Steelers' loss to the Ravens on Thursday night. And uh, we're glad that you wanted to hear our two cents, and uh, you know, we'll try to let you know uh, what our thoughts are on the, on the topic. Um, my thoughts, and as all, you, all of you know that watch the NFL and that are football fans and that you know, may have played football at some point in your lives, uh, football never comes down, normally doesn't come down to just one player. I remember Super Bowl thirteen when the Steelers beat the Cowboys uh, the Cowboys have always said, oh, well, Jackie Smith catches that pass in the third quarter for a touchdown, uh, we're going to win that game. You know, it, it's not that cut and dry. It just isn't. Um, it, you know, there, there's the special teams, there's offense, and there's defense. There's three phases of the game. And then if you want to get even more intricate, there's the running game, the passing game, the kick coverage team, the kicking team. You know, there, there's there's so many pieces uh, of a football team, you can't just put it on one person or one player or one position. Um, you know, when you look at this game, I, 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 you know, when you when I look at our Facebook page here on the, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports, when I look at the Facebook page, it seems like most people are critical of Josh Stobie, and, it, and it's easy to point him out. It's easy to put the finger squarely on him. He missed two uh, critical field goals in the last two minutes that uh, in all intents and purposes would have uh, sealed a win for the Steelers or at least made it much more difficult for the Ravens to win. Um, it was 20-17. to 17. The Steelers had uh, had a couple of, of great fourth-down stands. Sean Spence with the special teams tackle, and the Ravens uh, faked a field goal attempt. And then James Harrison sack on Joe Flacco. The Steelers had just done a sensational job uh, with their bend-but-not-break defense. And the Steelers' defense, I think, was the most positive thing to take away from this game for the third straight game. Again, they have not faced an elite offense. They haven't. The Ravens are 0-3 entering this game. The 49ers are starting to show that that uh, they're not the team that we thought they could be a few weeks ago when we beat them handily in Pittsburgh. Uh, the Rams are the Rams. You know, they have their issues. They don't have a, a, a running back, really, since Gorley's been injured. But this was, this was the second-best offense the Steelers had faced. And when you're facing a Super Bowl MVP – uh, you know, despite the fact that the Ravens had their shortcomings running the ball and whatnot, this is definitely uh, a challenge for this team. And they stepped up and rose to the challenge for the most part on defense. Uh, so with that being said, uh, twice the Steelers uh, could not move the ball on offense following the Steelers' defensive stands in the last two minutes, and they had to rely on Scobie to bail them out. Scobie missed the 49-yard field goal, and then moments later missed a 41-yard field goal, uh, which set up the Ravens. Uh, driving and kicking the game-tying field goal to get into overtime. In overtime, the Steelers have two drives where they uh, 
you know, have, have moved the ball pretty well, and they both end with some questionable play calls. Le'Veon Bell rips off a 22-yard run on third and long. Then he has a five-yard run and a three-yard run, setting up a third and two, and then the Steelers don't go to him again. And the drive ends with Michael Vick on fourth and two doing a, a, a rollout run to the weak side for, for no gain. Um, and there was bad blocking, which obviously you have to point out. That's not on the coach, but the call is certainly on the coach. When you have Le'Veon Bell, who ran run shot over the Ravens the entire game, why don't you give him the ball in the most pivotal part of the game, especially when you, when you don't have Ben Roethlisberger, especially when you don't have Antonio Brown making much of an impact? I mean, he's your best player. He was the best player on the field last night for, for any either team. It was Le'Veon Bell. So the fact that you don't give him the ball in that situation, and then on fourth and one on your next possession when you're in field goal range, I understand not letting Josh Josh uh, Scobie kick the field goal. I get it. He wasn't even warming up. So whether it was a confidence thing or whether Tomlin had already said to him, hey, we're not going to you, for whatever reason, they decided that we're not going to even try a field goal, even though a field goal wins the game at that point. With the new overtime rules, once both teams – uh, get to their second possessions, it's pretty much next score wins. It's just like the old days. You know, really a touchdown wins the game, whether it's offense or defense. No matter what, when you score a touchdown, it's over. But once the Steelers and Ravens had both had a possession, next field goal would have been it. And full disclosure, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I'm taking the field goal. I'm going to do it because you have to have faith in your kicker. You just have to. You have to have faith in, in your kicker to try to win the game at this point in the season. If he, if he misses, it's a very simple decision this morning. You wake up and you let him go. If he misses three field goals at home, which is five in, in four games so far, then your decision has been made for you. But I have no problem with him going for it. You know, and even as I say, I would kick the field goal. I'm, I'm still not sure. That's just what I'm saying right now, you know, hours after the game. But I have no problem with the Steelers deciding that we're going to go for it on fourth and one, despite being in field goal range. You know, field goal wins you that game. They go for it. They don't make it. I have a problem with the play call. Again, you don't use Le'Veon Bell. And, again, it's easy for me to sit back and say this after I know the after the aftermath, which was they had a bad throw uh, in the flat, and Antonio Brown couldn't corral it, and, this, and subsequently the Ravens drive down the field and score again. Um, you know, but still, even in hindsight, it just you know, even when I'm watching the game, I'm thinking, okay, well, Bell's going to get the ball here. When Bell was doing those sweeps to the left uh, throughout the game, especially in the later stages, the Ravens couldn't stop it. Le'Veon Bell is a patient runner, and he allows his blocks to set up. And, you know, while he initially looked like he was going to run nowhere uh, on a couple uh, occasions in the second half, Bell would just find daylight late on the left side of his offensive line, on the right side of the Ravens' defense. And I thought that's where they were going to go with that play. It's going to be Bell on a sweep to the left. We're going to get the first down. We're going to run out the clock. And if Bell doesn't get it, then you kind of just sit back and say, okay, we, we went with our best player on fourth and one, and it didn't work out. I think Steeler fans, you know, waking up on, on Friday morning, if we lost, you know, with, with the same, you know, situation, would feel better if at least we went with our best player on fourth and one. It's kind of like they always say in the old Western cliche, if you're going to go down, you may as well die with your boots on. You, if you're going to go down, you may as well go down with your best player at the time. And that's Le'Veon Bell. Now, if it was fourth and one with Ben Rosberg on the field and you want to throw to Antonio, I don't have as much of a problem with that. But you're putting a lot of, of pressure on a quarterback 
that two months ago wasn't even in the league. And, and we did that to Vic three times in overtime. We had him throw the ball. We had him run the ball on our first possession in overtime. And then we had him throw on fourth and one. And then that's not even an easy throw. That's a backside throw in the flat to Antonio Brown, who's not a tall receiver. He's five foot ten. So, to me, that is where most of, uh, of the blame has to be put is on the coaching staff. And I understand that Josh Scobie missed two field goals. The 49-yarder is a little understandable. That's a very hard field goal to make in Pittsburgh, and Josh Scobie doesn't have much experience kicking in Heinz Field. I know he kicked for Jacksonville. I know he's made field goals in Pittsburgh before, but that is not an easy field goal anywhere, especially at Heinz Field with the wind element as it was last night. The 41-yarder, totally on him. And I'm not giving him a total pass for 49-yarder. I'm just saying that's understandable. The 41-yarder, to me, uh, I have an issue with. That's all on Josh Scobie. There, there's just no doubt about it. Um, and with him missing the field goals in New England, missing the extra point uh, against the 49ers, even though that had no outcome on the game, um, I think now you know it's easier to put the blame on him because of the mounting frustration. I think if Scobie had made those field goals in New England and he had had a a, a perfect resume coming into this game, I, I don't know if fans are this hard on him. I'm, I don't know. That's why we're asking you to vote, because I, I don't know the answer to that. But it just seems like the fans are are putting more of the onus of, of the loss on him and not on the coaching staff, which, again, that's that's everybody's opinion, and I respect everybody's opinion uh, on this show and in our website and everything. I, I want the fans' involvement, and I encourage that. Um, you know, But I also ask you to think about the coaching and also, I'm not going to go ahead and give a total pass to our defense, as well as our defense play, especially in the first half. If you look at the first half of our games over the last three weeks since the loss to New England, we have allowed, respectively, 103, 110, and 111 yards in the first half of those games. So our defense in the first half is, is borderline dominant. Yes, I know that we gave up a touchdown to New England in the first quarter, and um, you know, I know in San Francisco we allowed a field goal, but the Steelers' defense as a whole in the first half uh, over the last three weeks has been, you know, borderline dominant. In the second half, we've, we've given up more yards, which is understandable. Eventually, you know, any offense you're going to face is going to have a moment where it kind of breaks free. And that's what you saw with the Ravens. The Steelers, it seemed like they were content letting Justin Forsett have some big runs, but they weren't going to let Flacco beat them, um, which worked in large until the end. And you know, you want to put some of that blame on the Steelers' defense, but you you really can't too much because they were getting put in bad spots continuously. I mean, when, when Scobie misses a field goal, two things happen. A, uh, you know, you're not scoring points. And B, uh, your defense now has to deal with, with an offense now that has renewed life. And a couple times the Steelers still were able to hold back the Ravens despite the fact they were getting put on. Um, and also on, on that note, the Steelers' offense didn't do – uh, after you know they scored maybe twenty to seven in the third, they didn't do and give any favors to their defense. Um, the Steelers' defense was on the field a lot because their offense went, I believe, two of thirteen on third downs. That's just not going to get it done. And again, that that's on the execution on the Steelers' part on offense, and that's also the coaching to try to ensure that their calling plays that the Steelers can execute and produce third and short situations. So. You know, the Steelers' offense, I really think, is getting the easiest pass in this one. And a lot of that is because of Michael Vick. It was his first game. He played well, um, 19 completions on 26 attempts. He could not spread the field or, you know, stretch the field. He only had 124 yards passing. 
And uh, you really, you know, Antonio Brown was really a non-factor in this game. I think he had five catches for 42 yards. So when you really look at this entire game, there were a lot of things you can take away that are positive. Um, Stephon Tuitt, again, looks like a monster. Uh, Ross Cockrell looks like he could be a study at two turnovers uh, forced uh, in this game. Cameron Hayward with a forced fumble. He's continuing his strong season. Le'Veon Bell uh, looks better than ever. He looks faster. Um, he looked, you know, his spin move is there. His cutback is there. Um, he'd be even better than last year, which, you know, is, is I thought would be a stretch, but it doesn't look like one anymore. 120-odd yards yesterday, his first 100-yard game against the Ravens. Um, so, you know, and again, the defense, Antoine Blake, eight tackles. He looks like he is going to be our starting cornerback opposite William Gay for the future. And he looks like uh, he has physicality to get the job done. Let's see uh, how well he does in pass coverage going forward. Um, so there are lots of things, you know, good to take away. Darius Hayward Bay uh, had another strong game. Um, Michael Vick did not play bad. He definitely uh, put the Steelers in position to win that game. Again, he needs to develop more of a rapport with Antonio Brown, which I'm sure they will work on. I'm sure Todd Haley and Vick and company will work on uh, more uh, plays that he's comfortable with in terms of throwing the football and in terms of stretching the field. He's going to have Martavis Bryant back. And if you remember the preseason game against the Bills, those two had uh, a report right away. They hit him with a 63-yard pass. Him and Bryant finished that game with three completions um, for 138 yards in that game. So tons of good to take away from Thursday's game. But, but you know, the fine line is we lost the game, which is the most, uh, you know, obviously the biggest thing that you'll want. And, again, it comes down to coaching. It comes down to, to Josh Scobie not being able to make field goals. And it comes down to our offense not putting our defense in good spots. And our defense – as well as they played, and as much as they bet but not broke, um, you know, you have to play at the end, which they weren't able to do. Um, and, again, my last thoughts on this before uh, we part here on this podcast um, is on Mike Tomlin. I, I like Mike Tomlin. I'm not one of those fans that's overly critical of him, and I give him a lot of respect for taking ownership for the loss as he did to the game. Um, with that being said, uh, going forward, it's interesting to see if the Steelers, you know, when they're in those situations again, what they do. Are they going to put the, the ball in, in the hands of their best players? Are they going to continue to make calls uh, that, that cause you to scratch your head? Which, you know, definitely happened last night. So, you know, again, to kind of summarize everything, you know, it's on the coaching, it's on Josh Scobie, and it's on the Steelers' offense for not finishing those drives and having to rely on Josh Scobie to try those kind of field goals. But we want to know from you. We want to know who you think is most to blame for the Steelers' loss to the Ravens. And for the Steelers now, with Michael Vick and company, they have 10 days off now. They won't play again until Monday Night Football against San Diego. And, uh, you know, at that point, I think you're going to see a much improved Steelers' offense. Michael Vick will have more time to gel with his skill position players, with his offensive line. And let's see if the Steelers' defense can continue the run that's been on over the last three weeks. We, we hope you've enjoyed this short podcast on the Steel Conversation. Brian Diardo for Pittsburgh Steelers on 24-7 Sports saying so long. Have a great weekend, and even in defeat, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 